Broadcasting from the commodity capital of the world, Zurich, Switzerland, this is Insider's Guide to Energy. This edition to Insider's Guide to Energy is brought to you by Fidectus. Go to www.fidectus.com for more information. Welcome to Insider's Guide to Energy. Where are they now? Today, we're bringing back Melissa Lindsay, and we're going to talk about where her company's gone since she's been on the show. I think it's been a little over a year since she's been here. Melissa, welcome to the program. Hi, Chris. Thanks very much for having me back. Ah, it's fantastic to see you. So much has happened since we last talked. Um, I think you, know, you were much earlier in your company's stage. Um, the audience probably loves to know where you're at now. So why don't you fill us in what's happened in the last 12 months? The biggest thing for us has been a decision to take our entire tech team in-house and to launch our platform in the carbon markets. Around May last year, I decided that it was worth us having a pilot carbon marketplace launched by COP26, which was around October time. And so we gave ourselves a really tight six-month deadline to try and design and launch and build this carbon marketplace. And the pilot just went really well. So throughout Q4, we probably brought on over 20 companies. And since then, we've traded over 5 million tons across gold standard, the UN, CDM market. And a lot of it's been the Vera verified carbon standard credits. It's been great. And the market's just really been open to digitalization. People want transparency and they want to collaborate and embrace technology. So it's, yeah, it's been a very good experience. So you brought your team in house. I guess first would be you saying we, so maybe refresh your audience who we is. This time last year, we was just me and my best friend, Lucy, and we've hired an amazing CTO called Rodolfo who's Cuban but lives in London with his family. And he's got a huge wealth of experience in building enterprise-level broking and trading systems. And so he's come in and he has helped migrate everything, first of all, from AWS to Microsoft Azure because it comes with a sustainability, sustainability toolkit. It is more an energy-efficient way to run and scale the platform And we're able to now build a new platform on top of that, which we started designing in January. So we're hoping to kind of relaunch on new architecture, a new system, kind of August, September time this year. So we'll launch it in August as a soft launch while people are on holidays and then trial and test it, iterate on it, and then probably do a bigger launch in September. So you've got your leadership team. Do you guys do development as well, or do you have developers on the team as well? Yeah, so we've got two developers at the moment. Again, we're quite diverse. We've got one in Canada and one in Argentina, and my CTO does a lot of the coding himself. And then we've got 
to carbon originators slash brokers on the commercial side, which are helping with marketing the platform, onboarding people and helping originate and close the deals which are posted on the platform. So it's a very hybrid model. I'm not sure your listeners probably don't know this. There's two companies. There's Mstream, which is broking and consultancy, and it acts as a foundation customer to Msurge, which is the tech. And then I guess from your go-to market, so you, you have pipeline, you've got customers. How are you, is it coming through consulting is, is what you're saying? Or how are you reaching the market? How, how are folks finding out about your, your offering? So my background was broking liquefied natural gas. So because I did that for over 10 years and I had launched the platform, first of all, in liquefied natural gas, I had a large global network of all the major energy companies and utilities and trading houses. Um, The LNG market has this huge potential demand. So LNG is responsible for over a gigaton a year of carbon emissions And a lot of those companies which trade LNG also trade oil or they mine or they're the large incumbent utilities. So they've got a huge amount of influence above and beyond just the LNG sector. And so because if you want to sell a carbon neutral cargo of LNG, you can't just offset the emissions from one cargo. You have to really have if you want to avoid greenwashing claims, you have to have a net zero policy and a strategy on how you're going to get to zero. And there needs to be a much bigger effort at group level. So if you have LNG traders, which want to be able to participate in tenders where the end buyer in China or Japan or elsewhere is demanding that that cargo should come with carbon credits, and a certificate to say how many emissions there were in the chain, that company then needs to do a deeper look at what its emissions footprint is across the board and what it can do to reduce those emissions if it wants to be, you know, uh, selected as a greener supplier by the few companies that are starting to care. And I would say we are on a trajectory where we won't go backwards it will only be more and more companies that care about this and not less. So a lot of people are positioning themselves to really understand what their emissions are, which is good because oil and gas is obviously the core to the emissions that everybody else uses. So for me, if the oil and gas industry does not know what its emissions are, no one else can. So it's a crucial stepping stone for everyone else to have really accurate calculations rather than using estimates at the time. And I think there's a fear that a lot of people are underestimating at the moment what their emissions are. So two things come to mind real quick from what you said. The the first one is, so your platform would be helpful to, to, to maybe very cliff note version, because we did this in the previous episode, I think, or where we we're going. How does your platform help help solve that problem, right? So you, you want to get your LNG in, you want to understand the, the total carbon um, footprint of that particular cargo. H- how are you doing that? So we're not doing any of the calculations just because when you trade LNG, I'll sell you a cargo. You tell me you want it in Asia, but you don't necessarily know which country in Asia it's going to. So what the combustion will be of that cargo and depending on 
where it's going to be or what the final dates are, I might know which source I'm shipping from. I'll probably have a base source, but like we've seen recently, um, there was an explosion at one of the facilities in the US. So because these things happen all the time, you're always substituting in or have that risk of substituting in supply from a different source. You never know exactly how much volume you're going to deliver or what the emissions are. So pre-trade, which is where our platform is focused, people don't know the emissions. What we're really looking to do is connect buyers and sellers to emphasize what they should be contracting for. So the, the thing that buyers can do at the moment, they can ask their suppliers for a greenhouse gas emission statement with the volumes that they buy. And that could be any commodity, in fact. And then um, on the sell side, the seller can also request from the buyer that they let them know how that gas was used. Was it burned in a CCGT? Did it go to retail? Did that gas push out coal? Or was that gas used where renewables could have been used? So it's more about yeah, getting people to understand that they should be factoring in the emissions footprint when they do these purchasing and, and try in the future to therefore purchase cargoes with a lower GHG intensity. And I think in order to incentivize and give people a reason to pick the cargo with the lowest GHG intensity, you either need policy or you need carbon pricing to be a real factor where companies have to pay for carbon credits or a carbon tax that is aligned to the amount of emissions in the cargoes that they're shipping or consuming. And so in your opinion, I mean, many that I talk to you think that carbon is still too cheap. It doesn't really impact all the organizations. Do you think the price points that we're at with carbon right now, is it, is it making a difference or is it just early movers preparing for the future at this point? So there's a huge range of carbon prices. You can probably procure carbon from anything from less than a dollar per ton up to $600 per ton. So the price can be cheap if you want to buy very old credits, which maybe have a questionable amount of additionality or permanence. Whereas if you want to buy direct-air carbon capture, then you can pay $600 per ton. But you know, at the same time, it's just not scalable at that high end yet. But I think, you know, for me, if you look at these solutions, then, and you ask, well, who else is going to invest in saving our rainforests or preserving our coastlines? You know, the restoration of mangroves has been really popular, the distribution of cook stoves or water filters, and investment in renewables in the least developed countries, having people who are causing the climate impact, it makes sense that they are the ones that pay for the investment that's required to counterbalance the impact to the planet of that consumption. So I think gas teamed with nature-based solutions or gas teamed with a reasonable high credit, high quality credit, regardless of cost, has a positive impact where higher prices are important is to motivate people to not just offset, but to decarbonize. So the higher the price of the offset, then the more it should make sense 
to decarbonize and spend the investment on, you know, some people are calling it insetting, but decarbonizing your own supply chains in addition. Otherwise, you get into this scenario where people are concerned you're creating a license to, you know, just pay to pollute. Um, Got it. So, all right. So that, that was a different answer than I expected, which is good. So that you, you're educating me and hopefully my audience followed that, that whole conversation really well. Um, as we're kind of coming up to time here, I guess, you know, we're checking back with you for, you know, historical, but what's the time, what's the crystal ball looking like? Where are we going from here? When I talk to you a year from now, what kind of exciting things are we going to be talking about a year from now about your, your company so and where you've gone? We've had to go and spend the last nine months building our core system, but hopefully the following nine months will be more about um, integration with other tech startups in the climate space where we pull in their data, whether it's ratings data about the quality of these credits, whether it's data on you know historical pricing, and then also integrating with other companies and other platforms so that if you're buying commodities, you're able to have that visibility of what the kind of carbon neutral or carbon offset price of that commodity is. So I think there's a lot that can be done on the yeah, data analytics side now that we've got a tool that captures that data. All right. So, so what I think I heard you said is you're going to build a community that, that you'll be able to get more data into your system and then you're going to have some sort of analytics where you can use that data smartly to to help your customers. Is that yeah. the translation? What yeah, you just told and me? you know, one of the other spaces that I've been really interested in is Web three. So I've taken up an advisory role with a Web three company called Solid World, and they're looking at using regenerative finance to really help fund new projects in the carbon space. And so what we want to do is really try and position ourselves as a bridge because we're kind of web two and we're the traditional world with the on-chain world so that people are able to see the carbon prices both on and off chain in one place. Well, cool. Well, I thank you so much for coming back and sharing with us. I, I hope to bring you back again in the future and hope to have you engaged in the podcast again. Uh, it's been a pleasure seeing you as always. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks very much, Chris. All right. For our audience, we hope you enjoyed hearing an update from one of our guests. Uh, stay tuned. We like the Where Are They Now series. If you enjoy this, please share the content, like the content, and always don't forget to subscribe or watch us on YouTube. Bye-bye.